Hi, welcome to the show. I'm your host, Emily Green, otherwise known as Emily the Medium. This show is a space where I'll share my teachings around life after death, the soul, intuition, developing psychic abilities, and so much more. Together, we will expand our minds beyond what is widely accepted as truth and start to see the mind, body, and soul from a completely different perspective. This is a Soul Fire production. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to the show. You know, I always love saying y'all to address a, a large group of people. And I would sometimes get people making fun of me because they're, they're like, you're from Canada. Like, what what are you saying? You're, you're saying y'all to a group of people to address a group of people. Who are you? Like, you're not from, you know, you're not from the South. And I recently heard someone say that saying y'all is a great way to, in sort of a gender neutral way, to address a large group of people. So I was like, all right, I'm claiming it. I'm saying y'all. I don't care where I'm from or if I sound very Canadian when I'm saying it. I'm going to say it anyway. So hey, y'all. I hope you're all doing so well and having a beautiful, beautiful start to your week, your day, your wherever you are in the world. I hope you're having a wonderful, wonderful day. I am really excited to introduce you to today's guest. I have on a wonderful friend and client and a a teacher of mine, Stephanie Cherma from The Good Love Company on the podcast today. And her, the title of her, of her business, of her company is exactly what it sounds like. Stephanie is a brilliant, prophetic, and incredibly practical and just very well-educated love and relationship coach. And I have always loved really getting the chance to soak up her teachings, her messages, and the way that she speaks about relationships. I feel like she brings a really, really fresh perspective to relationship dynamics, energetics, um, attachment styles, all this kind of good stuff, really looking at the root of why we are not attracting what we want to attract in a relationship. Just everything she brings to the conversation around relationship dating, Marriage, communication is so incredible, and I really enjoyed having the chance to pick her brain about all things relationships and love. And I really enjoyed this conversation with her for so many reasons, but we were able to kind of bring some light to some sort of misguided and um, mis sort of spoken conversations around narcissism and sort of how that word has become a buzzword in different communities, whether that's a spiritual community or the or kind of the relationship coaching community. Um, she touches on kind of some of the, the gaps and the holes around that narrative, around, you know, doing the work in our relationship healing, getting to know ourselves before we really, you know, getting to know ourselves so we can know what we want, um, using communication to diffuse tension or defensiveness in relationship. Like she really just has it all. And I really love the way that she talks about everything, all things relationships. So there's not much more I can say. I'm going to let this interview speak for itself. I had such a good time chatting with Stephanie um, on all things relationships. And I hope you enjoyed this interview. Please let us know if you have any questions. Go follow Stephanie on Instagram at goodloveco. Uh, She shares all kinds of great information. As I reference in the interview, as you'll hear, she shared um, kind of like a communication hot sheet of how to diffuse tension. And it was something that 
I absolutely implemented in not only my partnership, but also in some friendships and business uh, kind of communications as well. So she's got it all. I hope you enjoy this interview with Stephanie today. One last thing before we get into today's show, just a heads up. Sometimes when I get into a really deep, beautiful, powerful transmission of an interview, the internet connection sometimes goes a little wonky. So Steph and I did have some internet connectivity issues throughout the interview. So if you notice any gaps or inconsistencies in our uh, in our interview, please forgive the connection. I hope you're still able to get the power of the words and what is being said. And uh, thanks to my amazing team for being able to put this together and pick out all of Stephanie's brilliance in this interview. So just a heads up, if you notice a little audio uh, issue today, our apologies and hope you're still able to enjoy the entirety of the interview. I'm so happy to have you here, my love. Like I'm, I've really been looking forward to this conversation. We've had this on the calendar for a little while and, you know, every week it gets a little closer. And I'm like, oh, I'm so excited to talk to Stephanie because, um, you know, selfishly, I'm excited to learn from you in kind of this, this, um, this, uh, in this way. Um, I've gotten the, the privilege and the opportunity to listen to your teachings um, in kind of a group setting and what from what you share on Instagram. But I'm so excited to, to have this conversation with you one on one. So welcome. Thank you so much. I've been excited too. This was the bright spot in my morning. So Emily, I'm, I'm excited to chat with you as well. Amazing. So I would love to hear you just kind of share a little bit about, first of all, about what you do and, and, and how you work with people. But before we get there, I would love to kind of hear, I'm, I'm a, I'm a big nerd for people's origin stories and kind of like how they came to be at the location in their work and in their life and in their teachings that they are at. So I would love to hear you share just about your origin story and how you got here to being the brilliant, prolific, prophetic, um, love and relationship educator that you are. Oh, you are so sweet. Um, it's it's a funny story because I think a lot of us in the space that have really honed and developed these teachings come from learning it the hard way themselves. They couldn't understand why relationships weren't sticking. It, it truly baffled me. So I thought that I would read Cosmo or pick up a dating book, keep going at it and continue to try and acquire a relationship standard that I wanted that I was not embodying. So it really took 10 years and more hurt and more failures to really understand that I said that I wanted this really dynamic, deep, connected relationship, but I was behaving from a way that said, get away from me. I'm one foot out the door. I'll take what I can get. So the mismatch of how I was behaving paired with the mismatch of the request, I was stuck in this limbo. And so I had a come to Jesus moment right around my 29th birthday, the old Saturn return coming up around the corner where I literally said, okay, clearly I don't know what I'm doing for it, for a bright person to not understand how to just allow someone in. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay, universe, I'm ready to play ball. I'm going to let you handle this. So I did a new moon ritual. I, it was a new moon in Pisces. I'm a multiple Piscean Venus and Pisces, Mercury, the whole gambit. And I listened to a song called ready for love by India Ari on loop. 
yes. to get it into my physical body to conjure the emotion. And then I had an automatic writing session where I had a conversation with the universe as if it was six months from now. And I was writing a thank you letter. I'm so grateful. He's here. I can't believe it. Remember when I was doubting? I can't believe it. So I, I literally put myself in that space. And then I felt a sense of spiritual completion. Like when we do our rituals and there's sort of this, like we, and we're done. We, there's no more left. Yeah. So I automatic wrote three pages, did my ritual bawling, yeah. bawling my eyes out. I, I actually felt the like click like, wow. okay. And I was like, okay. So I was told to just listen, to watch for the signs, to be divinely guided. And I, at the time was drinking heavily um, really into a dark space and addiction. So I was getting fired from all my bartending jobs and I was losing everything. Of course, the whole universe, we're going to burn it to the ground and rebuild. And I was div divinely guided to get this random warehouse job. This, this temp agency called me and said, we have something. It's not glamorous. You can start Monday. You need steel toed boots and ratty jean. And I was like, okay, I will do whatever I'm being presented with. Yeah. And so that Monday came around and I was assigned to do this silly task, but I had a helper that was going to come and help me do this job. And that helper is now the man that I'm marrying and that I have kids with. <laughs> so <laughs> it's hilarious because yes. I had no idea. And so that whole from the dark night of the soul conjuring to meeting this person was about 57 days. And wow. so it happened really quick. And in that reckoning, I realized and almost had this download of every single thing I did wrong and all of the reasons why the exes didn't work. And, and there was just something in me. So I paired that with learning about the energetics and the psychology of why we do what we do. So good love stemmed from that because yeah. a lot of what we're taught is very manipulative. Mm -hmm. And so that's why we have these very shallow relationships because people don't come from themselves because they don't know who that is. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> or how to access that. Yes. And so that's where good love co came from. Mm. incredible. I love your story so much. And I think it, what, I mean, I could just like sing your praises day in and day out, but I think what I love so much, I mean, just, and even just having that perspective of kind of where you are now and you're in this beautiful relationship with two beautiful children and all these things. And I think it's just so important, um, you know, hearing your story in that way. And what I love so much, and this is actually one of the things I wanted to talk to you about. I mean, there's so much that I want to talk to you about, but one of the things I wanted to talk to you about is, I love how you incorporate, because I think that, you know, I'm, a, I'm an observer. I observe people, I observe spaces, I observe communities, and I kind of see like what's working, what's not, what, you know, what feels true, what doesn't feel true. And I think there's a whole kind of, I don't know, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this, but I think there's a whole sort of uh, very ungrounded um, 
uh, very ungrounded, very uh, misguided and very like exactly like based on those principles of manipulation and control and kind of pseudo spirituality in sort of the relationship and the coaching space. And I think what you bring to it is you still incorporate um, like you're still you're super you know, you probably I know you know this, but you're super psychic in the way that you um, can kind of like hone in on a client and what they need and where they're at and, you know, where they're going and what needs to kind of be worked out. But can you explain how you blend your work, your coaching um, and, and your teachings and sort of the, the spirituality as well in such a beautiful, grounded, still practical and very available way? I love that. And you know what? I've never been asked that before. So thank you so much. Yeah. Um, I love that sort of analytical prose, but really the, the missing loop that I found was that the tactics that are taught, if they actually worked, everybody would be in a happy relationship. Right. And I started thinking on, on that basic level. And so I started digging around and, and pulling that Virgo moon in me of like, let me solve this problem. So I would watch as well and I would observe and I would go, okay, so this woman says she wants a relationship, but her behavior says I don't. So my, my job is to figure out where that came from. And then how do we take that out softly with love Mm -hmm. and then make a decision to put something else in? And I have found that the only way to do that is to toggle between the trauma work and psychology of of heart healing with the open curiosity, energetic neutrality of letting the universe work with you. Because what I tend to see in the space is the opposite end. So one end will be manifest the guy that you're in love with. And it makes me crazy. First of all, you can't do that. If if we could infringe on people's free will, I would have been married to Zach Morris years ago, right? Can you imagine if we could infringe upon another person? There's a reason why we can't. It would Mm -hmm. be anarchy. We, we, We have limits. So I started thinking like, okay, it can't be this wooey um, soulmate twin flame because what that does is it provides this sort of numbing, right? Mm-hmm. Because if everything is outside of our responsibility, if it's, oh, let me just manifest my twin flame. Let me just, you know, do tarot cards for a soulmate. What that does is that completely takes away your responsibility to go Hmm, I actually don't like men. I'm actually angry. I've been angry at men for years and it's been simmering below the surface, but I'm going to try and crystal grid my way out of it. And so that's the problem. It's, it's, it's not about the magic aspect. And so then on the other hand, you hear a lot of the, the masculine, like here's how to text well here's what men want. Here's how to be the best, right? So we see that overtly feminine, energetic aspect. And then on the other hand is the like the guide to men. Yeah. Do this and you will get. Neither of those work. Yeah. They just don't. So you have to go, in my experience, we need to look at the reason for the knee-jerk reaction. 
if you get a text and you're dating and you get a text from someone and you get nervous or what if I say the wrong thing that comes from somewhere. If you get a text from a guy and you go, I don't want to answer it. Ah, that comes from somewhere. So it's not about forcing and maneuvering and the repetition of it. It's not a numbers thing. It's not like, well, I'm going to keep dating till it sticks. It's about saying, why do I do what I do? Where did that come from? And then having the courage to move through that so that what you're presenting is the part of you that, that wants the love, that trusts men, that, that likes it, that's open. Cause that's in you. If you didn't have that in you, you wouldn't crave the relationship, but we have buried that down so far and put on this icy front. So that needs to be warmed. And then you need to go to work to look at why do I do what I do? What am I trying to do? 80% of, of, of the work sucks. I'll be straight up. But then the 20% is joyous. It's like, you know, the, the 10 of cups just, magical but you gotta walk through the mud first so that's really where i i feel the the missing link is i love it and this is see this is why i love you because you 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 can you get in the middle of that and i think that that's what's missing that that really is you described it so well you're you're exactly right is that's what's missing is it's kind of like too far on the polarity of you know of each side and there's not that balance so I'm curious, do you find that when people are, well, first of all, I would love to hear just like when somebody is coming to work with you for the first time, where are they? You know, I know you've kind of alluded to this, but I would love to go even more in depth with that. Where are they coming from? What are they looking for? Um, You know, how are you guiding them? And also this is a two-part question. Do you find that you get people from either side of that polarity who are kind of fed up with, okay, you know, I tried the manifest, the love, the crystal grid, the, you know, the, the, you know, the altar thing and it didn't work, or I've tried the kind of hyper masculine side of things too. Do you find that you're getting people who are coming to you um, and looking for a different kind of um, outcome? Yeah, definitely. What I've noticed lately is that the last few clients that have been extraordinary and have had massive shifts are not in the industry whatsoever. They're actually very, very intellectual. And so like they're engineers. Um, they have bachelor's, master's, postdoctorate, like they are in their head is, is what I'm saying. So they will take themselves out of game because they are in their head too much. And so with this specific client, this is one of my favorite clients. Two of my most favorite clients are both engineers. They both think that way, that, that mercury, that like, what does this mean? Why is this happening? What do I do? And so the challenge is to go, this is, we don't, we don't go here. We go, we go in here. So we'd go out of the head and into the heart. And that's absolutely terrifying because for that profile of person, They've likely learned that success, claps, accolades, diplomas equate to love and belonging. Wow. So they were likely growing up where they had to earn the right. They had to be good. They had to produce. So they can't take that into relationship. You can't work hard and, and acquire and achieve in a relationship. It's the opposite. It's surrender. It's vulnerability. It's honesty. So, 
some of my clients that come to me, the real work is say, what would it look like if this could be breezy and interesting? And, and what, what do we need to do to weave curiosity through? You can take the intellectual concept, but, but manufacture it another way. So instead of going, what does he think? What's going on? When is he going to call me? Take the need to control and just turn it inward and go, what can I do today to play with being a little more open? Engineer it. I told my, my engineer girls, engineer yourself because <laughs> we cannot, we, we cannot at any time guarantee anything. It's the idea of, well, once I have this, I'll feel better. You can have it and it can go like that. You can be married and crazy things can happen. There's no guarantee except for yourself. Mm -hmm. So if you spend the time going, why do I divert to that behavior? Why do I keep attracting the same guy with a different name? Why am I constantly not feeling myself in a relationship? That moving through that will then open that channel so that you can be expressed and your person is going to go, oh, this girl's being who she is. I like it. And that's usually how it hits for the single women. And then the couple's work is about saying, how do we get back to us? Mm -hmm. It's first, we put the business first. We started resenting each other. We stopped dating. Kind of don't like each other right now. Yeah. We're in this. So how do we get out of it? So those are the two main clients that I love currently working with. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. The next thing that I would love to hear you speak on, and, and, and you were talking about this on your Instagram stories a little while ago, and, and we had had our interview books at the time, and, and I heard you speaking about it. I was like, oh, I need her to, to speak on this topic on the podcast because it's so good. And I think there's so much... Um, I don't know the, the correct word to use, misinformation and misguided kind of perspectives. And I think it's a word and a concept that has sort of been thrown around very haphazardly um, oh, recently. Oh, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so can you touch on kind of this narcissism conversation or how it has become like a buzzword almost? Oh my goodness. This is like speaking to my soul. <laughs> Yes. So I have um, years of of years of work. Some people, you know, in your audience, we we share so they know that I, I stress with the dick, the uh, dad that's not around, the mom died, all the stuff in an aligned, empowered way because I didn't know how. And when I got my shit together. I, I spent so much time understanding the, like what happens to a person when they don't get what they need as a kid. And so what we're seeing now is we're seeing this narcissism term thrown out like candy on Halloween because it's easy. It's very easy for someone to go, this guy cheated on me and he's a dick. He's a narcissist. It's, it's, it's kind of like the woman's version of when the guy says she's so crazy, right? That's like a lazy, easy way to say it didn't work out. And she was probably emotional and, and probably had a right to be. So the problem is that everyone has a bit of a narcissistic through selfies. We look good. We feel all right. Like, that is a, a weave of a, of a narcissistic behavior. 
Um, but you are not a narcissist. And so what I'll explain to you, to the audience and to the listeners, just so that they can have some clarity, narcissistic personality disorder is essentially the, uh, 75 to a hundred on a scale of zero to a hundred. So zero to like, let's say 30 for a visual would be what you would call like the doormats or the people pleasers, or, you know, I'll do anything for anyone. And I have no boundaries. You know, most people toggle somewhere in the middle where, you know, they have good days, look good. They want to feel hot. There is a little bit of, you know, self-absorption. Like it's, it's part of the human psyche. We need a little bit of that. But when you, you fling from like 60 to 70, that's in that borderline territory. And then usually 75 to 100 on that zero to 100 scale is what you would classify as narcissistic personality disorder. Mm. So we're all on a spectrum. And according to the DSM, in order to be diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder, there's nine criteria that you need to meet. And a lot of the criteria has to do with the inability to have insight or empathy for another person. So that's very different than getting into a nasty fight and the two of you said some shitty things to each other and maybe went a little low blow. It's very different when there is actually a a person who has a developmental issue in the brain that does not allow for the ability to put someone in someone else's shoes. So just think about how terrifying that is to be in a relationship with, because you just will not be able to have the depth of connection if the person you're with truly does not have the ability and likely the desire to get where you're coming from and and show that insight, you're not going to have a depth filled relationship and you won't be able to have real connection because they don't get it. Mm -hmm. They do not have the ability. And so when you take a person and they grow into adulthood and they haven't formed the ability to have compassion, insight, and empathy for somebody else, that's a very dangerous energy because you will be robbed of friendship, connection, love, safety. So what ends up happening is in order to overcompensate for that, the person with the narcissistic personality disorder spends all their time trying to feel better about themselves. So you tend to hear stereotypical terms like grandiose personality. Mm. It's not so much that it's just, they don't have the ability to get deep within themselves and other people. So they have to manufacture an identity and a persona that is larger than emptiness inside. It's truly sad. It's very, very sad. And so that came from in childhood, the critical ages of attachment were not formed. So the child grows up to not have the part of themselves that says, you know, we say please and thank you. We ask people how they're doing. You're loved. You're important. How are you? If those critical developments never happened, either from neglect, parents that were violent, abusive households, 
the child has to learn that the world or the child learns that the world is scary and unsafe. People can't be trusted. People are bad. So they, they truly form a, a different neurotransmitter connection where they get good feeling from feeling better and higher than other people. Right. So when we, and, and this is pretty Cliff's nose version of this, but the problem is that labeling every single person who did you wrong, having this is just incorrect. There, there's about 2.5% narcissistic personality disordered. Yes. It is a, personality disorders are, the brain has to find new pathways to survive. And the sad part about narcissistic personality disorder is that it is extremely resistant to treatment because the problem isn't them. Mm. They have spent years and years and years and years and years making other people the problem so that they can feel better. And so that personality is not going to go to treatment. They're not going to go to see a therapist because they don't think that it's them. Yeah. Wow. So. Yeah. We can't, be, we can't be calling every guy. Absolutely. Yeah. So I love the way you explain that. I, I love the way you explain that because in reality, and this is kind of, this is totally what I, what I was thinking too. It's like exactly like looking at the statistics, you know, that I think you said, I think you said like 2.5% of like, it just doesn't match up. You know, all these people kind of throwing this, 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 um, this terminology around. It's like, I think it's just kind of misunderstood around, um, around. And I love the way you put that around. We all are, there is a spectrum of narcissism and we tech, we all have some form of, you know, narcissistic tendencies, um, of, you know, where there's somebody who yeah. I, who, who I, who I, who I listened to speak. And she basically says like everybody, you know, everybody ha- has some level of, of narcissistic tendency, you know, uh, just depending on, like you said, the spectrum of where, where we kind of fall on that spectrum or in that kind of percentage. Yeah. So. Absolutely. I love that. I love the way you explained that. I think you did a brilliant job of reframing that. So, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll kind of have a little bit more, we can see communities of of people having a little bit more consciousness around this word and, and using it. um, Yeah. yeah. Because, you know, I want to just add that I come from a belief system that a lot of clinicians tend to diagnose and assign things to people to kind of get them off the books Mm. and not look at the root cause of it. So if you were to look at the cluster B personality types in the DSM, so this is what, you know, doctors use to diagnose, um, the cluster B personality disorders are considered dramatic and erratic. Like how lovely, what a lovely title. So that includes, um, borderline personality disorder, antisocial personality disorder, histrionic personality disorder. And they all come from being malnourished emotionally as a child. Mm. So if we can start to think of this as tragic instead of a, a, a club, oh, my narcissist ex, oh, my narcissist mother-in-law. The difference is, is that the base of essentially compounded decades of trauma untouched their behavior is in a direct correlation with the intensity of the neglect. So what I mean by that is I had a, I've had three clients 
I've helped three of them escape legitimate narcissists. They were all almost identical. They almost looked the same. Wow. But their behavior is wild. Like one ex would kick her out of the house barefoot with next to no clothes on, hide her keys and and tease her in the window, whole locked out. Mm. That is not common. Right. <laughs> that is large. Yeah. Are there times where you can have an early fight? Sure. But think of the actual degree. If, if you are having an argument or conversation that isn't going so well, and this, your partner amps it up and ramps it up and, and things are getting destroyed. And now there's um, destruction and you're being called every name in the book and now there's action and it's just getting elevated and elevated and elevated without any rational you're likely dealing with somebody that has that spectrum of narcissism so be kind people are going through it it's not great we're not excusing it but not every guy is a narcissist <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely I love it. And that actually kind of leads into my next question. I will have kind of two, I'm just trying to decide where I want to go next. I I'm curious to hear your thoughts on, cause I know, you know, again, like you said, you work a lot with kind of psychology, behavior, behavioral psychology, but I'm curious to hear, I, I found there's kind of been um, a lot of people lately. And it's probably as a result of this, this book that I'm about to reference called attached by Amir Levine. Are you familiar with that, with that work? Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, what yeah. is you, I'm yeah. curious. I'm curious to hear your yes. thoughts on, you know, anxious attachment, avoidant attachment, anxious avoidant, and that whole conversation. Cause I know a lot of people are kind of, um, you know, reading that book and discovering it. And there's a lot of talk about it. So I'm super curious to hear your thoughts on that and how it blends into your work. Yeah, definitely. So the biggest thing is all of the different avenues of awareness. So the attachment theory, um, you know, the DSM theory, all, all of the different ways of accessing and understanding people all in, in my experience have stemmed from the good old childhood traumas. Mm -hmm. And I think that people are starting to understand and realize that a little rupture can be just as, um, dramatic as like a big T trauma. And I said that people oftentimes will come to me and say, but I had a great childhood. And then I'm kind of like, okay, <laughs> all right. So tell me about how you are doing in the adult world with your relationships, <laughs> yeah. right? That's our first line of defense. So for myself, I go through shifts. Mm -hmm. When I was a child, I was anxious. Yeah. When I was in my um, 20s, I, I stemmed to avoid it. So I, I think it's a, it's a great tool to help you understand yourself more, yes. um, but people can ebb and flow. And I, and I think the, the one error in the book is that it, it pretty much says that this is your, your destination. For this life. is what it is. Make peace with it for life. And I just personally don't agree with that. Yes. Well, and, and that's exactly, that's why I brought it up because I, I'm, I'm on exactly the same page as you as I think that sometimes it can be, you know, it's like a, a fixed kind of um, way that 
people I, it, like identify to themselves as like, oh, I'm anxious, at, you know, I'm anxious attachment. Yeah. And, and that's kind of like how I'm identifying always and forever. Uh, but, but, but I'm not holding space for the fact that like, exactly like you said, it can change. Maybe we enter a new relationship oh, yeah. dynamic where, you know, we, we, we sort of fall more towards the avoidant attachment style or, you know, or maybe we're super secure attachment when we, you know, when we're with kind of the, uh, in a super healthy amazing partnership. Right. So I think I, I love that you said that because that's exactly what, that's what, that's what I was leading. I, I, I was just curious, genuinely <laughs> curious to hear your thoughts on it, but that's kind of wh where I come from as well. So I love that you said that. And I think it just, you know, kind of holds space for people to go, okay, you can, you know, experience change or you can relate to a, re you know, have a relationship in a different way, or, you know, you may not relate anxiously attached forever. So I think that's, that's really great. Um, and, you know, I think it also ties into just like what you're saying is that, um, you know, doing kind of that, that, like you mentioned earlier, that 80% of that kind of harder work or looking at the root or kind of digging in and getting really uncomfortable and things like that is a way that we can sort of re-relate to our attachment styles, I guess. Um, so I love that yeah. so much. The next thing I wanted to, um, to mention, and, and I saw this, that you shared this a little while ago, um, and I loved it so much. And I wanted to bring it up in my conversation with you around how you, um, will kind of provide, I guess, um, uh, I don't know the, the correct way to say this, but I guess like guidelines are sort of like tips and tricks of um, ha like communication um, sort of uh, like responses that two partners can have in relationships or sort of like common, I guess, communication breakdowns. Like where do you find um, that or what are kind of the most common ways that communication gets uh, mixed up or, you know, where kind of people are on different pages or things like that? I think you called it um, diffuse and connect or something, something along those lines. Do you know what I'm talking about? I'd love to hear, I'd love to hear you talk yes, about that. I do. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> this is my favorite. Yay. Um, yeah, I, I love the communication stuff is just my jam because I have a background in communication. I'm excellent at it. Yeah. My partner is Bambi. <laughs> <laughs> so he's getting his legs. He's yep. learning. He was the kid that was silenced. You know, kids are seen and not heard. Your opinion doesn't matter. Mm. You're stupid. So he grew up thinking like, I'm either going to not say anything because it's going to be wrong or I'll say something, but I don't really know how to say it. Whereas I'm like, I've, I've been reading books since I was five, all that stuff. So the thing about communication is this. The, the goal of communication is to share an experience and sometimes find a solution. So you and I right now are sharing an experience. We have a natural connection. You and I have met in person. We've done events together. We like each other. It's easy. Yep. If you, for example, were to throw, um, if you, if you were to come on the podcast and, you know, be irritable, grumpy, maybe make a snide remark despite knowing our connection and relationship, despite knowing that I would still be like, did I do something wrong? Right. What's wrong with me? How, why is she mad? What's going on? That scenario, take it to relationships. And that's the problem. So we don't talk about how we feel. We assume people can read our mind. We get resentful over expectations. We never communicated. Yeah. No one sits down and says, what's the vision for our relationship? What's the point? What are we actually doing together? 
So we basically say, okay, I want a boyfriend. I want a boyfriend. Oh, now I have it. And then the first sign of the human psyche merging with another person, Mm -hmm. AKA a bicker or a disagreement, we tend to respond from defenses first. So what do you mean by that? Why did you say that? I didn't do anything. What's going on? What's your problem? Why are you pissed at me? Instead of taking a moment and just diffusing it. So instead of saying, are you mad at me? Why, Why did you say that? We can learn to go, I'm sensing that there's dimension. Is everything okay? Mm-hmm. so that's a skill I'm not going to say it's easy it's a skill because <laughs> the first option of like oh Emily's mad at me what did I do wrong that's what I call little girl behavior right it's like you're six years old and someone's mad at you and you're like I don't know what's wrong mm-hmm. we need to not behave like so we have to change it to go how do I get out of my own ego in this moment can diffuse a scenario. So if there's a misunderstanding, which happens all the time, and you call out the misunderstanding versus the person, yeah, then the misunderstanding is front and center. And the two people in the misunderstanding can come together and look at it. Yes. So if you say, for example, hey, I'm noticing there's some tension. Is everything okay? That is not an attack. That's not defensive. It's solution-based and it quiets any type of hostility because you could say to me, yeah, you know what? My internet wasn't working. I was super stressed out and, you know, I had, I had a moment, but we're all good. Yeah. So in, and again, this is just my silly example, but Mm -hmm. most people just want the opportunity to be seen and heard. Yes. And not in this like cliche, like I see you, but in, in a genuine hard way, it's hard yep. your annoyance aside and say, I'm noticing that you're feeling upset. How, like what, how can I support you right now? Mm-hmm. That would inspire in a healthy relationship that would inspire the other person to put their sword down, recognize what's happening, not defend themselves. Like, Oh, I'm like, I'm overwhelmed. Right. Mm -hmm. Then you can break that apart. And so the two of you are coming together to look at the problem from a solution based dynamic. So you, the partner saying, Oh, I love that you told me you're overwhelmed. It really, when you share that you're stressed, when I know that you're stressed, I'm, I'm here to just rally for you. I got you. Yeah. The other person feels better. You feel better. And then you move through that moment because those moments like that will happen forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And it's far easier to diffuse out the situation instead of calling out each other. Mm-hmm. And then the connector piece saying, I really love that you shared that with me. If it's hard for your partner, this is new and weird because it's going to feel new and weird. Acknowledge it. Say, I know this is new and weird, but I really appreciate when you share with me how you're feeling. Helps yeah. me understand. And if you're being a little stressed. I love it. Learning that will save, save marriage. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, 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 you, and that's the other thing I want to say is that I think you, I think you also shared something oh. a, a, about sort of how, you know, and, I, and I'm of this belief too, where I think sometimes the, the reason that relationships, um, you know, like 
let's say split up or break up or, you know, or divorce or, or whatever the, or whatever the case may be is that sometimes it's just like sort of the communication um, is just not quite working the way it needs to, or the, you know, the conflict resolution or the solution or things like that. So I think you actually, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember you sharing something a while ago about actually like, that was one thing that you did about kind of taking a relationship that was sort of on the brink of potential separation or divorce or things like that. And actually like reframing it by working with the communication. Is that right? Yeah, it really is because at the at the end of the day, that's the most crucial thing because yeah. what, what tends to happen with couples is that they ignore the the relationship as as a whole. Like I like to look at my relationship and we don't always ace it. Mm-hmm. We've definitely been in crazy spots, but we like to look at our relationship as its own entity. Yeah. So I have me minor has him and then the relationship. So if we don't nourish it and water it and talk to it and examine it, it's going to be neglected. And that's when the communication breaks down because when you're vibing with your man, you feel safer to talk. You feel better. When there's a tension in the air, you can feel that badly. It, It sucks. When that happens for a long extended period of time, that turns into resentment. When that doesn't get looked at and it moves along, that turns into contempt. It's really tricky to work backwards. I've seen it happen. You can work through it if you both are committed. But the, the point is the second that you know that you're off mm-hmm. is to have the courage to call your partner in, maybe when the kids are in bed or if you are you know, still in that freedom space of no children, any quiet time. And I would recommend this literal exercise. So if you notice that there's some shit and there's a lot of tension, whatever, pull your partner in when there's a quiet moment and just say to them, I miss you. Mm -hmm. Saying I miss you, like eye contact, typically the partner is going to sink into that. Because if it's a good, healthy relationship that just got, has been ignored, because that's based happens, we get busy, we, we ignore it. But if we, if you just look and say, I miss you, I miss us. Yeah. You can tell in a second if they're on the same page. Right. And so what I would recommend, and I've said this to clients is to just really go, I want to take half an hour tonight. Let's have a glass of wine. Let's smoke a joint. Let's sit in the bath. Let's go for a walk go to the gym, whatever your thing is, and just spend time together. Yeah. And let organic conversations happen. I think a lot of people do it the opposite way where they go, okay, tonight at seven o'clock, we're having a family meeting. Mm -hmm. Do you really think that that guy is going to be looking forward to being scolded? Mm -hmm. Right? We don't, that's not how the world works. (laughs) Yeah. But you can pull connection and you can say, hey, and I've done this with clients and I said, Think about what made you fall in love with your husband. What was the first month? What did you guys do? And she was like, well, we, we did mini petting. It was goofy and silly and it was glow in the dark and it was whatever. And I'm like, what are you doing this weekend? And she's like, we're going mini petting. I'm like, yep. Yeah, you are. Excellent yeah. job. Yes. Go back to the energetics of, of who you are. And then you'll get the truth. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, is that relationships that are meant to be can handle shit You just have to acknowledge it, move through it, work together. And really, like I've seen some magical shifts happen because most people 
would rather spend the energy looking to fix it than to spend the same amount of energy with lawyers and custody agreements, like, and, you know, moving house, you're going to spend energy either way. So I'm, I'm, I'm a firm believer too, in really giving it all you got. Like I've, I've always said, like I'm pro relationship unless you're in an abusive, toxic scenario. But for the most part, I would much rather clients get real with each other and say, Hey, we're in this. Are you in this? We're in this. Let's get our shit together. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I love how you said that you're pro relationship. I I love that so much because I I totally agree. I totally agree. And I think, you know, that's why I love your work so much is I think you um, are able to kind of help people be like to know how to be pro relationship or how to interact or how to communicate and things like that. I think it's just like, it's so everything you're saying, I'm just like, yeah, you know, it's, it makes so much sense. And it's like, it's, it's almost, it's not simple because I think it's, it's very complex and it's like the way that, the way that you, um, the, the way that you present it is very, you know, very intelligent and very, very, it makes so much, it makes so much sense, but it's also very simple as well. Like it's, you know what I mean? <laughs> well, I, I honestly appreciate that. And it's, I've seen what happens where people just throw their hands up and go, I'm out of here. And they recreate in learning lessons always come from people. So if you are in a hellish scenario, um, you know, obviously do what makes you happy. Like, I'm not here to say like, you need to suffer. That's not at all. But it'll go like, have I done everything I can do to earn this breakup? Mm. Or am I just running away, doomed to repeat the same bullshit, you know? And that tends to happen. So I'm one of those people that says, you're going to have to learn this lesson either way. So you can either just dump the guy and break up with him and run away and recreate it. Yes. Or you can send it to see this through until it doesn't feel good anymore. You know, like yeah. that's, that's I, really what it is. Cause we we've seen, we have, we have mutual friends who tried it, was miserable, listened to themselves, found a situation and they will not repeat the scenarios. Like yeah. you can do it. Yeah. I love that so much. Totally. Because, you know, it's like, even I just look back on sort of my relationship sort of history and I look at different, whether that was like a romantic partnership or a friendship. And I look at opportunities where I'm like, God damn it. You know, I actually, you know, kind of did the thing where I threw my hands up and ran away before I could actually kind of dig into the the core or the root or the lesson or whatever in it. And then I just had to play it out, you know, like six months later again. So I love how you said that about how we can kind of go into something and, you know, see it as sort of, a, um, you know, have I, have I done, I think you said, have I done everything to earn this breakup? Like, I love that. Uh, you know, it's, it's so, it's such a, it's such a, a unique way to look at it. And it really, I think sort of saves a lot of, um, you know, repetition of the same kind of event yeah. or the same dynamic or things like that. I love that so much. That's amazing. Um, so where, where I want to wrap this up is I would love to hear you share on people who are um, in, I guess, maybe they're in kind of that, that point in their life where they are, they want good love, you know, they want, they want that good love that you're talking about that, you know, that beautiful communication and just like that, you know, it's not as like you said, it's not always easy, but the people who are really ready for that, whether male, female, however they relate, 
what is the one, or maybe you don't have to narrow it down just to one message, but what would you, what, what is the most important thing that you could tell somebody who maybe was in your position, um, you know, you, where, where you were at before you met your partner, what is one kind of message or takeaway that, um, that you'd love to share with, with somebody maybe who's in a similar position, um, to where you have been or otherwise? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, it's such a fantastic question because I, I spent a long, long time. I'm going to be 35 in February. And, you know, I didn't have my first boyfriend till I was 21. Like I spent a long time wondering and learning about this stuff. So to narrow it down to one, you're going to challenge me, but I love a challenge. <laughs> um, the, the best thing to do um, if you are in a space where you're ready for that really deep connection is to fill yourself. And it's so cliche and, I, and I'm, I'm almost dreading this rolling off my tongue because it's so <laughs> dull. Like I, I wish there was something more sparkly, but the truth of the matter is the reason why people have really shitty relationships is because they have no idea who they are. They are trying to appease somebody else. They are trying to put themselves in a box that isn't theirs. They are trying to get someone to like them. They're trying to get someone to choose them. And then they're shocked when things don't go well. You're not actually representing yourself. When you are, when you do the work to say, this is who I am fully, completely forwards, backwards, side to side. This is what I, I'm available for. This is what hurts. This is what I'm okay with. This is borderline. Like the real nitty gritty stuff. When you do that and then anchor that in the embodiment piece, what's going to happen is, you will a no longer be attracted to people that are not good for you because you will realize it's actually not exciting. It's, it's very torturous. And B, you will start calling in people that see and, and are excited by you, actually you. So not the, you know, he said he likes football and I said me too. And now I'm stuck watching football for four hours every Sunday and I'm, and I'm miserable. Mm -hmm. That happens all the time. So it's about going, what if I took a year, six months, maybe to say, I'm done with myself. I'm done with my crap. I'm going to put it all on the line and then get excited about redesigning how you feel about yourself. Like this is a beautiful thing. You get a clean slate. You get the paper and the quill. It's completely yours. If yeah. we can just say, I actually want this and I'm going to own that I want it. And I'm going to look at all the reasons why I have not allowed myself to have it. If you do that work, the world will shift almost immediately and you will be able to recognize the right energy. Yes. So there you have Love it. No, that was perfect. Whoa, I'm, so, I'm, I'm warm. That just that was that was a transmission that was amazing no that was yeah, perfect holy shit <laughs> you summed it up so perfectly like that was just so so perfect and so well-rounded and so dynamic um all well being true to your original point so i love it so much um stephanie i'm so i'm so grateful to have had this conversation with you today it was so so amazing i learned so much from you and every time honestly every time you share something i learned so much from you and it's just allowed me to examine my own relationship and past relationships in such a in such a um a profound way so i really appreciate the work that you're doing on this planet at this time that you're doing it and i would love to share your work with the world so how can people um find you how can they get connected with you on whether on social media 
or otherwise. And do you have anything fun and interesting, and exciting that you're up to right now that um, that this community could kind of learn from you on? Yeah, definitely. Emily, honestly, you're such a treat. You've always been, every time I talk to you, every time I see you, it's just, I'm so grateful to have been able to share this with, if anyone listening wants more information, you can follow me on Instagram at goodluckco or go on the website to fill out a one-on-one application at goodloveco.com. And I have a few things in the works. I'm actually putting together a communication 10-day intensive Um, I'm still working with my team on that, but I really need to give something tangible, practical, and fast because not everyone necessarily has time for three, four, five month deep containers. And I think that people just need to learn a few skills really quick with other dynamic women. So stay tuned for that. That's coming in December. And I, I love hearing from all audiences, whatever you listened to and heard, like leave a comment, let me know. Don't, don't forget to rate and subscribe to Emily's thing. Oh, you're amazing. You're amazing. And I love the sound of that communication, um, that, that intensive, that sounds incredible. And, and it's actually one of the things I was going to mention to you. Last thing I'll say is like when a, a little while ago, when you shared that on your Instagram, those little kind of communication tips, I like furiously got a notebook out right away and wrote everything down. I was like, Oh my God, this is great. I'm going to use this. Like, this is amazing. You know, it's so, um, I just love the, the tang- the tangibility and the practicality of, of kind of those little communication, um, tips and tricks. So I know that what, uh, what you're creating will just be absolutely incredible and I can't wait to see it. Oh, thank you so much. I just adore you. This is wonderful. So fun. It was so good to have you on and I will talk to you so soon. Have a wonderful rest of your day. 